this is Tales of the Old Burying Ground. Stories inspired by the Dartmouth College Cemetery. So I'm standing here in Hanover Cemetery in front of the gravestone for Mrs. Jane Wentworth. Um, it's one of the larger ones in the area and it's white as opposed to a lot of the other ones which are a darker gray color. Um, it's definitely one of the prettier ones in the area although it does have a large crack across the bottom it's it's been repaired. Um, there's a circle on the front with a sun and a bird sort of flying towards the sun. It says that she died on March 30th 1850 at 71 years old. Um, and it also includes the dates when she was emancipated and when she joined the church. And then right behind her gravestone is her daughter's, Peggy Jane. It says she was the wife of Horace Parks and she died on March 14th, 1844, uh, at 40 years old. It's quite a bit smaller than her mother's gravestone, although there is a little bit of decoration. Um, and according to Richard's records, there should be another gravestone here for Nancy Wentworth, but um, there's a little path and it looks like maybe that's um, been constructed over where Nancy's grave is supposed to be. Hi, I'm Anna Kester, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about these two women, who they were, and why we should care that they were buried here at Dartmouth College. What does their internment demonstrate about the early years of the college, and what can we learn from their history? Have we learned anything at all? Nathan Lord, Dartmouth's sixth president, saw a lot of success during his 35-year tenure from 1828 to 1863. He pulled the college out of debt and saw some of its first black graduates. In the years leading up to the Civil War, President Lord was an abolitionist and he was a religious man. A few years after his appointment as vice president of the American Anti-Slavery Society, the board of trustees at Dartmouth asked him to teach a course on the Bible. Lord looked at the Bible closely and decided that slavery is a, quote, providential enlargement of superior races. To Lord, without slavery, there wouldn't be a hierarchy of class. Without the separation of classes, the country would be thrown into disorder. He also believed that slavery was not the cause of the Civil War. Instead, abolitionists were the ones who wanted to fight a war to end slavery. Lord thought that if they truly wanted to end slavery, they should have voted on it. Murder is a sin, according to the Bible, and Lord's opinion was to avoid killing one another at all costs. So, he concludes that a vote to end slavery would most likely end in a stalemate between the North and South. Since killing one another, and therefore war, is not an option, then slavery must continue. It was then that the Board of Trustees forced him to resign. According to my research, there is no record of slavery in Hanover for the 20 years after 1810. By Lord's resignation, 16 black students had graduated from Dartmouth. In the mid-1830s, there were around a thousand black people living in New Hampshire. It's no secret that Eliezer Wheelock, the founder and first president of Dartmouth College, was a slaveholder, and that Dartmouth was built on the backs of slaves. 
Many of the free black people living in Hanover and the surrounding towns in the early to mid-1800s, when Nathan Lord was president of the college, were either emancipated blacks or descendants of slaves. So what do Jane Wentworth and Peggy Jane Parks have to do with Nathan Lord? They were both women of color, buried in Hanover Cemetery during Lord's presidency. Jane was emancipated by the state in 1784 when she was five years old. She went on to marry Charles Wentworth and have six children, including Nancy and Peggy Jane. Two of their sons, Charles Bailey and Frank, both married and settled down in Vermont. Peggy Jane married Horace Parks and presumably lived in Hanover. This is why she's buried here, but unfortunately there aren't any specific records to back this up. Nancy was only a year old when she died in 1812, according to cemetery records, but Peggy Jane and her mother both died as adults. Jane's headstone says that she died on March 30, 1850, at 71 years old. It also says that she joined the church in 1821 and was a woman of virtue. When I looked into the records of the Wentworth family, I found that not only did she join the church, but she had her children baptized and confirmed into Hanover Plain Church the same day, May 13, 1821. Her headstone reads, In admiration of her virtues, this stone is erected by her Christian friends. Perhaps her involvement in the church and her standing as a religious woman allowed Jane a different kind of reputation, one that secured her a place of honor in the cemetery. But these two gravestones are the only two that indicate black bodies buried in the Hanover Cemetery. Charles and Jane raised their children on Negro Hill, which is just south of what used to be J.G. Courier House near Dartmouth's campus. This is also where other black people lived, close to Mink Brook. I took a look back at the records from William Dewey, John Richards, and Arthur Shivers. They all mentioned that there were at least 25 other graves belonging to black people who lived in Hanover. So where are they? In early 2015, Dartmouth announced that it would offer a course that spring called 10 Weeks, 10 Plus Professors, Hashtag Black Lives Matter. In this course, professors from different departments around campus would approach the country's race climate through an interdisciplinary lens. The course proposal came on the heels of the shootings of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, and Eric Garner in Staten Island, New York. More than 20 professors took part in teaching this comprehensive liberal arts course, with discussion based around everything from segregation in the mortgage crisis to mass incarceration. It discussed race and racism from the individual to the global scale. The class was proposed as a timely and thoughtful place to critically learn, reflect, and discuss the racial culture that was taking place in America from many different angles. Capped at 30 students, over 100 applied to take it. Students were also required to take part in some type of outreach program for the broader community, spreading this conversation beyond Dartmouth and into the Upper Valley. Through the experiences of Jane Wentworth and Peggy Jane Parks, we know that African Americans who lived in Hanover had found a place where they could earn a living, educate their children, and become part of the larger community. Jane and her daughter Peggy Jane, two black women living in Hanover before the Civil War, were part of a small but significant community of African Americans in the Upper Valley. Their family was born and raised as free blacks, and they were able to participate in their church and even be buried alongside whites in the town cemetery. Their existence seemed to have started a tradition of openness regarding race around the Dartmouth community. The college admitted its first black graduates under a pro-slavery president, despite his political views. 
And now, two centuries in the future, we see a course that highlights the black experience and brings urgency to a divisive topic in our country, one that urges students to think and listen beyond their immediate community and consider the topic of diversity on a national level. Tales of the Old Burying Ground is funded by the Dartmouth College 250th Celebration. Executive produced by Ilana Grellard and Colleen Goodhue. With original music by Bill Gezi. This is Anna Kester. Thanks for listening.